Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. Um, I just recorded another episode before this one, even though you'll be seeing this episode next week. Um, so I feel like I talked about a lot. Um, it's a little warm in Los Angeles. Classic. I mean, it's February, but we don't really have seasons. Um, what else? I almost, like, didn't even want to record this one, and it's so weird because it's, like, it's my podcast. Nobody's forcing me to record it. Here I am, just me. I've read the books. I, in last week's episode slash the one I just recorded, those are books from a week ago because I took a week off. Um, and it's even, like, hard to, like, it's just hard to recall something I read, like, two days ago, let alone, like, a week ago. Um, so I feel like I kind of just, like, have to get this done, but then it's, like, the more you feel like you have to do something and make it, like, work, it's, like, the less I want to do it, even though I'm really not doing anything else except looking forward to the uh, 11 library books that came in just in the span of, like, 24 hours from the library. I just, February 2nd was a big day in publishing. Lots of books that I recommended came out. Squishy, squishy. This queen is here, even though you cannot see him, and he is a very squishy guy. Um... So I have a lot to read. I have a, I just want to get reading, but I, <laughs> I wanted to record this freaking, you know, 15, 20 minute podcast. Um, what else is new? Um, we've been rewatching or I've been rewatching Freaks and Geeks. Jason has been watching it for the first time. Um, he has never seen it, which is truly a crime. I mean, I didn't see it until college. Um, the unfamiliar Freaks and Geeks is the Paul Fike, Judd Apatow show about the freaks and the geeks in, at McKinley High School. Um, it came out in 1999 on NBC. It had a one-season, 18-episode series, um, gone before its time, just, like, way, way too ahead of its time. Launched the careers of so many people we all know, like James Franco, Seth Rogen, Linda Cardellini, Busy Phillips, uh, Martin Starr. Jason Siegel, Rashida Jones, Lizzie Kaplan, like a lot, a lot of people. And it's just so freaking good. I mean, it's like high school's shitty and it like, it just shows like all the, the shit that like would actually happen. It has that nostalgic factor because it came out in 99, but it's supposed to take place in like 79, 80. Um, so it's very much like a period piece built on nostalgia f- from a time that we're like already nostalgic for. So it has those meta layers. And every time that I watch, it's just like, it's such a rich deeply layered like so incredibly well-written show that like I can't say enough good things about it and if you haven't watched it drop everything you're doing go to Hulu now and watch and if you have watched it maybe go re-watch it again I mean I think this might be like my fourth or fifth rewatch. um haven't watched it for a few years and I'm all like I said I always pick up on something new I'm always super intrigued and down and I just like find another layer of this wonderful wonderful show that we are so blessed to have and that set off and inspired so many other shows, which wouldn't be here today if not for Freaks and Geeks. But we're not here about TV shows, even though I say that every time. We are here about books, and we're going to get started on those books right after I have a sip of water. Okay, so first up, we have Bride of the Sea by Eman Quota. Once again, a wonderful multi-perspective, multi-timeline, multi-place novel um, about what happens when you are an immigrant who is exposed to a new culture and you're sort of torn between the home that you used to know and the home that you know now. Um, So our sort of primary characters are the young students Munir and Saida. Um, And we learn very quickly on that Saida is slightly, you know, like mentally unbalanced, definitely is dealing with the transition 
of um, they go to Cleveland. And where are they originally from? This is somewhere in the Middle East. I don't want to be bad and say the wrong place, but somewhere in the Middle East, um, Saudi Arabia, haha, Saudi Arabia. Um, so Munir returns to Saudi Arabia, Saida stays, um, and she actually kidnaps their daughter and is basically like removes her entirely from Munir's life and goes off, goes incommunicado and goes off the radar. So then Munir's entire life is then just sort of He's back in Saudi Arabia, but still like longing and searching for this daughter that he's never had or known. We get to know Hanadi's perspective um, as a young woman and sort of, you know, what this loss of her father and the lie and the shielding that her mother did, how that, um, you know, the repercussions of that and how it ripples. And then um, I I guess it's not giving away too much to say that um, Hanadi and Munir are reunited and then that, you know, what should be such a special moment and really is, um, is filled with layers of regret and frustration and, you know, heartbreak and how can we reconcile and, you know, the concept of family and the lasting bonds that transcend even if you haven't seen each other for years. So this is a really beautiful coming of age, family, multi-perspective, rich novel um, about different people and their lives and, I don't want to say it's so much a slice of life, but it really is sort of a slice of life. I'm sure that this situation is based on a real situation and very many other real situations. Um, and some, there's something relatable for everybody in it. So definitely check it out. Next, we have Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. Um, this is, I mean, pretty much every book is somewhat like on my radar. I don't just like go into a book fully blind. I mean, Oftentimes, I don't know what I'm really getting myself into, but Detransition Baby was definitely being helmed by, like, Roxane Gay and, like, other lists. is just, like, this is one of the books that you have to read this year. And it was really, it was good. It was very different. Um, it's a novel about a trans woman um, who finds that her partner, who was also a trans woman, actually transitioned back to a cis man. Um, and so his name is Ames, and he gets his current partner, who's a cis... Uh, I guess, bisexual, pansexual woman pregnant. And then he re-involves himself back in Reese's life, um, the trans woman who we start out with. So it's just a very messy, complicated novel about sort of this like triad potential parenting situation. It's not so much that they're trying to be a couple, but we float back in time with the present day, which is the situation where Reese and James Ames are reconnecting for the first time in years after having, um, we, I mean, there's been quite a lot of, not quite a lot, but there's definitely some literature and some television shows and media about transgender people and about their transgender women and transgender men and their experience. But we really don't see or hear a lot about someone who was transgender or identified as a different gender and then decided to transition back or felt that, you know, it's a very complex situation, individual for everybody on when and how and why they choose to transition and then to go through all that and then transition back to what you were biologically born as very confusing, a lot of different identities for Reese to navigate for Reese to navigate as someone looking at Ames, who is the one actually transitioning and detransitioning. And then the baby from I think her name is Katrina, who is the cisgendered lover of Ames, um, and how she grapples with that as well. She by no means like there's an accidental pregnancy, she doesn't feel ready to be a mother. Um, so that's where Reese comes in as sort of she as a transgender woman. She is not able to biologically have a child of her own, but has always longed for motherhood and to be a mother. And so this is the perfect chance for her. 
as you can imagine, things don't go very perfectly. So it's really like we get to see James and – sorry, I keep calling them James. Um, They were born as James and they were like Amy and then they now are Ames um, as back to being uh, – I hate to say like back and forth, but that's really kind of what happened. Um, And so it's definitely a unique look into the transgender experience and just a look into sort of a multi – you know, deconstructing the sort of nuclear mother-father – two and a half children, idea of parenting, an idea of relationships and how the world is changing and how people's relationships and perceptions can change and what it really means to be a solid partner and to have a foundation and sense of self. Um, So it's just really a great character exploration. It um, is something unique, but still wholly relatable um, and just very well-crafted and the sort of book that just worms its way into your mind and you're like there with them, which is the best kind of book. Like you feel like you are literally a fly on the wall with their relationships and with their situations, especially with the back and forth. Sometimes I know that that can be disorienting for people in terms of timelines, but again, like really it feels like you're just, you're there, you're part of their relationship and you really get to know these characters as if they were friends or people that were real and that you knew that happening to you. So that is that. Next, we have Homegoing by Ya Yassi. So Ya Yassi's, this is their first book. And then their more recent book is Transcendent, ugh, can't speak, Transcendent Kingdom. And I think that I pretty much had a hold on Homegoing, not since then. I talked about that quite a few episodes back. And Homegoing was their first book. Um, and I just had a hold on it or like had it on my radar. I hadn't gotten a chance to get it from the library until now. And I'm, boy, I'm only glad I did. So Homegoing is Tracy Homegoing is a novel that traces the black experience and traces the experience of um what you know what is our homegoing what is our patronage so it starts literally like 300 years ago in the past in Ghana with our main characters Effia and Essie and they're our main characters but then slowly we learn through every chapter someone related to or in the periphery of the person that we just read about is then going to be explored. And it's some sort of like ambiguous time in the future. Sometimes we jump ahead 20 years. Sometimes we jump ahead 50 years. Um, and it's really, it just like, it's, it's sweeping. I hate, I, you know, it's not, it's, it's sweeping. It covers so much ground. Like it covers Ghana, it covers America, it covers the, all the places in between and really the homegoing and the, the history of this one family or these two families and how people are connected in the experiences that travel with them and stay with them, um, both physically and mentally from hundreds of years. Um, so there's, you know, there's the descendants of Ghana and there's different sort of warring nations that we get to look at. And we spend quite a bit of time in Africa. We also spend quite a bit of time in America with people who are either new to the country or people who have some connection to Ghana. Um, and I, I don't want to give away too much more of that, but it's really just, you know, I love to read family multi-perspective novels, but especially when everything is so linear in the sense that everything happens for a reason and it dovetails so wonderfully and piles on top of each other to really create this rich tapestry of an entire homegoing, especially of a fictional family. Like, I'm sure this was influenced in some way, um, as pretty much any fiction is by those who are writing it from some personal experiences, but to create this entire 300 year plus lineage of these peoples from from nowhere, from literally from the ground up is really, really rich and fascinating and definitely a book worth checking out. 
Next, we have Thin Girls by Diana Clark. Um, so there's definitely a content warning for anybody who has issues with eating disorders or disordered eating. Um, just going to put that out there. So if that's sensitive for you, you're going to want to skip ahead or just listen to this and not skip this book. Um, I myself have struggled with eating disorders in the past, and I know especially in middle school and early high school when I was really in the throes of it and dealing with it, anything about anorexia or eating disorders was like, on the one hand, like oddly triggering because there were things that I was sort of like in denial with about myself or things that I recognized so much that were like painful to read and see. But also it really helps to see that like I wasn't, you know, this is an extreme version of a girl. Um, we'll get into a sec of some twins and one of the twins ends up going to a rehab facility and like literally like starves herself to like 78 pounds. And I was never that bad. I was never like hospitalized or anything. I would just say that I had it's pretty much on the way to like full-blown anorexia. It wasn't officially diagnosed, but it was definitely like a concern for pretty much everyone in my life. And then I struggled with disordered eating pretty much for the five to seven years after that. And it really took me, and it's continuing to take a long time to like not focus on like every little thing that I eat and count calories and obsess about it. Um, but it's, you know, if you've gone through any sort of disordered eating or have some if you know somebody with an eating disorder, you know that it's the sort of thing that while you can certainly overcome it and be cured, it, it it has very, very strong lasting psychological effects that will stay with you for maybe your whole life. So Thing Girls is Diana Clark's debut novel. Um, it, at first, this is one of, I love when a book, like I start it and I'm like, ugh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Like it's probably going to be like a three star, like a good one. And then as it progressed, I was like, okay, this is a four star. We're definitely talking about this on the podcast. Um, so Rose and Lily are uh, the two twins that we talk about. Um, Rose is our main character. We find her. She is at a mental health facility or a facility eating disorder treatment clinic. Um, and we learn she has a twin sister and it's, you know, for their whole lives, they were pretty much the same and reveled in that sameness, especially Rose was incredibly close to Lily. And and once they kind of, right before they started to hit puberty, Lily was kind of starting to embrace her uniqueness and individuality more while Rose was just trying to cling desperately to that togetherness. Um, so they started to fray where um, there's an enticing incident with their family and Lily copes by overeating and Rose copes by starving herself. And this cycle of destruction and dependency and it quickly becomes obvious as we know from the beginning that rose is hospitalized because of this um but we again multi timeline where we see rose in this in the treatment center which were the parts that were kind of like i was like is this another girl interrupted what are we going to get that's new here and then it very quickly became this sibling relationship dynamic it became a very powerful and real portrait of what it is like to deal with an eating disorder and how easy it is to start out normal and slowly succumb to it um so we get to see the before you know the ghost of anorexia past the ghost of anorexia present and we do get to see the ghost of anorexia future because rose does get out of the treatment center midway through the novel um and that's where it really started to come alive and enrich for me as we see rose navigate with the outside world navigate her relationship with lily which was so centric to her life before she became to the facility what she learned or didn't learn in the facility and how she then takes that to the outside world and their relationship like i said is very very rich they're very well developed um you can see the love and you can feel the closeness but also the sadness and the the bond that really i mean I, I have a sister but i don't have a twin sister and i think that the bond is probably incredibly powerful especially when they're doing such different things in their lives but feeling that same like tug um so it just kind of you know deals with a lot of what are you know 
then sort of in the second half, Rose begins a different version of like discovering herself than she initially planned. And they both deal, you know, just because Rose was sort of the focus with her overeating disorder from the beginning, we quickly find out that Lily has dealt with disordered eating for her whole life too, and how that impacts them and their relationship. Um, I mean, it ends pretty hopeful. I think by no means is like everyone in the clear, but it's definitely the sort of ending that feels deserved because you can see pretty much Rose and Lily's entire ch life and what led every moment that led them to this point. And you're just rooting for them so deeply at the end, but it's the sort of ending that comes deserved. It's not a deus ex machina that comes out of nowhere and everything's fine. It's like they really had to struggle and they really had to work for their recovery in their life. Um, and it doesn't end perfectly, but it ends with hope. And it's just a really definitely, like I said, if you have any issues with eating or disordered eating or psychiatric facilities or anything like that, maybe take a step back. But if you're not bothered by that, or if you have a past with it and you want to confront it, definitely check this one out. And last but certainly not least, we have Girls with Bright Futures, co-authored by Tracy Dobmeyer and Wendy Katzman. This is a fun one. I mean, it's definitely like it has like a thriller aspect, but it's really about um, this, this th three women and how they deal with their daughters and the college application process very, very differently. So there's um, this fancy school in the Pacific Northwest called EBA, and they find out that only they're taking only one additional student into Stanford, and there's three women who are vying for their daughters to get in for various reasons. So it kind of becomes quickly, you know, like, who will be the best? And I went to a fairly competitive, you know, public high school in an upper middle class town, and the college process was, like, fine. Like, I always knew I wanted to go to... Um, I never... <laughs> let me rephrase. I never... I'm glad I went to University of Vermont. I'm happy. I knew that pretty much a couple a year or so in advance that that was like my top choice and where I really wanted to go. Like I was never aiming for like Harvard or Stanford as this isn't the case in this novel. Um, so very quickly from the beginning, we find out that one of the girls is injured in a mysterious accident um, from the beginning. So there's this sense of something dark is coming. And while there's this tongue in cheek playfulness um, to the mother's interactions and how they deal differently with the school and being parents, you know, one's like the super busybody social media mom, one's like the mom who has a ton of money and owns a large business but can't see that her daughter like doesn't want what she's trying to push to her. And then another one is a mom who's like incredibly hardworking and whose daughter like is the one who probably deserves it the best, but for various reasons like feels like she can't go above her boss's head. Um, so it's just a very, you know, like commentary on the horrors of the college admissions process and sort of the the pressures that we place both on ourselves and on our daughters or our family members for things that like we just got to take a step back and realize like it's just college it's like and, and you know I've always felt too that it's not so much about where you go but it's about what you do with your degree because I know plenty of people who have gone to really great fancy expensive schools and are doing nothing with their lives and then I know plenty of people who like went to community college or didn't even go to college but are doing far better than those people who went to college um so you got to decide what line you're willing to go to secure your daughter's future and keep buried the secrets that threaten to destroy far more than just college dreams. That is a Goodreads wrap up because I'm losing my stamina and I didn't want to go off in a total. But <laughs> it's it's fun. That's of all kinds of fun. That's probably the most fun book of this episode. But um, at the time of this release, I will be 27. My birthday will have just been on Friday. So wish me a happy late birthday. Um, and until next time, how annoying was that? Stay reading. Bye.